Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is, no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. No, not three hours of coronavirus discussion, but we will intersperse it during the course of the program because you cannot avoid it. Things just happening right and left. The stock market down big again today, 1,200 points. Uh, The Dow down right now. That's after a 900 or so or 1,000-point increase yesterday. It's just it's back and forth like a yo-yo. Um, as people, I think, continue, in my opinion, to panic, not saying you shouldn't be concerned and cautious about this coronavirus. But I think what you're seeing out there right now is absolute panic and panic never leads to good things in the stock market. But a lot of interesting stories there. It, it is starting to affect things. My niece is a junior at San Diego State. And her major is international business. And one of the requirements for graduation is that you have to spend your first semester of your senior year studying abroad. And so she was scheduled to be in Spain. I think Barcelona is where she was scheduled to be. And she'd already made arrangements and things like that. Um, yesterday, they just announced that they were canceled. San Diego State was canceling their, their overseas programs for at least for, for next year, at least the first semester of next year. Now, what they ended up doing is they ended up, so this requirement that you study overseas, they, they waived it. So it's not going to delay her graduation or anything. But, you know, she had planned to be gone for you know, several months, starting, I believe, in August. And now that that's that's not going to happen. Now, as an alternative to being in Barcelona, San Diego is not a bad alternative. But it is showing how things are, are happening. And apparently at her school, They've joined the club of these other schools that aren't going to have live instruction for the foreseeable future, that it's all going to be, you know, online type of things at all. And that that's how people are dealing with this. And hopefully, again, we'll be able to get past it. All right. There, there is there, there's the, there's the big issues when it comes to coronavirus, you know, people particularly elderly people getting sick and, and dying. How do you contain it? There's all those type of things. If you have you know, cruises coming up, how do you react? I told the story, I think yesterday or Monday, about friends of mine who were scheduled to take a Caribbean cruise, and um, they, they finally today... They were scheduled to like leave in about two weeks. Finally today, they made the decision that, that they weren't going to go. And again, their thinking wasn't so much that they were afraid that they would get on the cruise ship and that they would get sick. It was more that they would get on the cruise ship, somebody on the cruise ship would get sick, and then you'd be in a quarantine situation where you're – it's sort of like Gilligan's Island where your three-hour cruise turns into being marooned forever. I mean, I think their concern was, hey, you know, we, we get on this cruise ship – turns out that somebody gets sick and then we're stuck in a port somewhere, you know, waiting for two weeks. That's what I think what their biggest concern was. Anyhow, um, I just got a couple texts from her through my wife and they apparently made the decision this morning. 
that they, they were going to, to cancel. The cruise ship was great. The cruise line said, okay, you know, we're, we're, we'll give you a credit that you can use any time in the next essentially you know, year and a half, two years. The airlines are going to give credits. But the problem is so they decided today, yeah, okay, we're not going to go. So they decided to cancel the um, wait times right now to get through to either the cruise ship company or the airlines are over six hours. You know, that's so, like she called the airline that she was booked on, I think it was Delta or something, and the message was, well, you're experiencing wait times of five or six hours right now as so many people are making their plans. So and she left a note to get it called back, and it, it'll all work out. But it, it's these are kind of the practical things that are going on. And I will tell you from an industry perspective, man, can you imagine working in the travel business right now and, and dealing with these things? And it, it really, in some respects, is very, very reminiscent of what happened in the aftermath of September 11, 2001, when people were just kind of afraid to travel and made the decision to cancel things even after the airlines started allowing flights. So there, there is that, that kind of effect. My, my niece, you know, doesn't get to study abroad for a, a semester, and people are canceling and having to wait. But I want to talk about something on a very, very practical level, something that perhaps you will be confronting if you haven't already confronted it in the last in the next couple of days i'm i'm a big las vegas guy and i, I as i was saying to steve scafidi typically start at the mg we stay at the mgm grand and my brother and i have this ritual we go to the mgm grand buffet to start the day you know the all you can eat buffet it's it is not the best it's by believe me it's not even close to being the best buffet in in Las Vegas but it's convenient it's okay we know the guy that makes the omelets you know what you're going to get it it's fine and when we i was there a couple weeks ago we continued that but i have to admit i'm kind of walking around the buffet and i'm watching all these people and buffet etiquette well, you know, they've got the sneeze guards on the things, but you know, you got your people, you got people there and you're supposed to use the tongs and stuff like that, but they're they're sticking their hands into the the common food and things like that. And I admit that and I'm not a germaphobe, but I admit that especially with this coronavirus stuff going around, I'm looking at this and I'm wondering, huh, oh okay, they're they're using the tongs, but they're the same tongs that I'm grabbing as they're going to grab the bacon or whatever. Now, it didn't stop me from going didn't stop me from going, but the uh, MGM brand of hotels, which is several in Las Vegas, it's not just the MGM Grand, but it's the it's Bellagio, and it's a number of the other prop Mandalay Bay, the Mirage, the Excalibur, the Luxor, and, and a couple others. They announced yesterday that they were shutting down their buffets, not all their restaurants, but just their buffets over concerns about coronavirus. And again, I think the concern is, you, you know, because you're, you're going to have food that it's not just like you've got the cook, you've got the waiter or the waitress, and then they bring the food to your place. You are essentially, you know, grabbing the same sort of food that all sorts of other people are. So they're closing down, they're, they're closing down the buffets. Now, I have to admit, I'm a big salad. I'm not a, I'm not Around here, I'm not a great buffet guy, although I kind of like brunches and stuff. But, but on Friday nights, I go to this restaurant. They've got the greatest salad bar. You know, you, you, they got a great fish, but then they've got this salad bar. It's kind of like an old time sort of thing where you've got a couple choices of lettuce and all the different sort of dressings and all these fresh things. I love this salad bar. It is one of the highlights of the places we go on Friday night. So, like last week, we're there. And the couple we're with, they, they want a salad, but they want the, they say, hey, to the waitress, can you, can you make the, the salad? 
because I, I don't think they want to go up to the salad bar and, and deal with that. My wife's like, are, are you going to go to the salad bar? I said, you bet I'm going to go to the salad bar. I, I like it. I like it a lot. But she says, well, okay, you know, there's all these other people who, you know, are, are doing the, the same things. And, you know, they're using the tongs and all. She says, are you sure you want to do that? I said, you bet I'm sure I want to do that. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand the coronavirus is big stuff and it's little stuff. I, I'm not ready to stop eating at buffets or using salad bars. I'm not ready to do that yet, but I confess I understand why some of these places are closing, and I guess I understand why some people might be reluctant to do that. So let's talk about the dining experience and how this may be affecting you. Are you reluctant to go to salad bars now? Are you reluctant to go to buffets? Not necessarily because, well, you know where your hands have been, but you don't necessarily know where... Okay, the people that were at this buffet 15 minutes before, you don't know where their hands have been. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you rethinking buffets? Are you rethinking salad bars in restaurants as a result of what's going on right now? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. MGM, which is one of the big companies that owns a whole bunch of hotels in Las Vegas, just announced yesterday they were shutting down their buffets for the foreseeable future, which has me thinking... All right, uh, for all of us who go out and we, we go to the different restaurants that have the buffets or you go to the restaurants that have the salad bars, are you rethinking that? Now, this came up as a topic of conversation. I was at dinner last Friday. I It, it didn't stop me from going to the salad bar because I love the salad bar where we go. But a couple of the people I were with, was with, uh, they passed on it. Don in Waterford. Don, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Don. Actually, uh, Monday, I, I'm pretty well aware of the coronavirus. I work outside sales. I'm handshaking people all day long. So uh, naturally, I've already had I already have sanitizer in my car, in my lunch bag, and at my desk. Uh, Monday, I went to Pizza Ranch in Waukesha. Right. I didn't even think twice about it. I walked in. I went to the bathroom, uh, washed my hands right away. I didn't touch the door handle. I hit the buffet. I didn't even think about it, Jeff. Really. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, it, it, you're probably not so much worried about you because you, all the start, sort of things you're talking about. I guess the question would become, are you worried that somebody else might have uh, not had those same hygiene things and they might have been at the buffet sneezing or touching stuff 15 minutes before you were there? You know, again, it's, I guess it's something I didn't even really, I didn't really think about it. Well, you're welcome. Um, now, now you're going to think about it. You're you're welcome here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, no, I, so, but it, it's not a concern. So at least at this point in time, you're not worried enough about it to stop you from going to a salad bar or a buffet or something like that. No, and also just want to add another point. I mean, let's say you do, you don't do the buffet, but somewhere down the line, you, you do touch a door handle. You're never going to know where you got yeah. the coronavirus from, anyways, right? Right. Well, exactly. No, thank, I mean that. That's exactly. It's just. It's sort of like if you pick up the flu or any sort of virus. You know, you just don't know 
necessarily where it's it's going to come from. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. But again, we, we, we talk a lot of times, and the reason I, I wanted to start the program out with this, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about like big picture, the, the macro aspects of the coronavirus. This, this to me now is one of these sort of like very real local sort of things. Because again, my, my guess is if you go out to dinner, a lot of times there'll be a salad bar or you'll go to a place like a pizza ranch or something that's a buffet restaurant. Is this making you rethink your position? Now, like I say, my, my wife, who grew up in the restaurant industry, worked her entire life in the restaurant industry, she's never been a huge believer in buffets to begin with for a variety of, of reasons. And this is, <laughs> I think, probably just kind of put her over, over the edge on that. But I, I was thinking about this when I'm in Las Vegas. And again, I'm I'm just watching all these people kind of picking over the same sort of food. And you've got the sneeze guards there, but it's it's really... I mean, it's not a perfect system. Let's talk to James in Milwaukee. James, you're on WTMJ. How you doing, Jeff? Hi, James. Yeah, I went to Golden Corral last night, and I ate from the salad bar all the way on up to the ice cream. And I went with a bunch of friends, and uh, when we went there, uh, there was few people. But when we were uh, just about ready to leave, there was more people coming with kids and everything else. I didn't feel, I didn't feel uh, what do you want to call the word uh, that I had a. That, that I'm just going to get sick from the stuff or anything else. Yeah. I'm still standing. I'm still vertical, not horizontal, <laughs> and everything else. I guess, Jeff, we we all, like you just said, we got to wash our hands and everything yeah. else. But uh, outside, outside of that, uh, I think that uh, if we can um, limit it to, to what we want, you know, to to eat, not not scared. I mean, look at you, Jeff. You you're not scared of nothing. You're, <laughs> well, you're you're doing you're doing everything seven days a week. Uh, your wife yeah. is making you do all this stuff uh, exactly. all over the place, and you're and you're not getting the coronavirus. Right. Well, thank, at least not at least not yet. And I always have to caution this. My my wife doesn't make me do things. She encourages me to do things for my better interest and she's almost always right so that she, Fran always says sometimes you make me sound like I'm this terrible person that I'm not feeding you and no it's actually it's not the case at all but but no, that, that's look I mean I guess that's the thing people have to decide their own comfort level and I, I do I understand why these casinos have closed why they've closed the buffets down I, I and I, I gotta believe that there's at least some people who now and I, I mean I don't know that this is necessarily any worse than at the height of of the flu season and you know I, I always look for I always look for silver linings in dark clouds and I confess right now that there, there's not too many silver linings that you see in this whole coronavirus thing I am thinking that big picture long term maybe one of the the silver linings is it's going to be that it makes all of us perhaps more conscious of, of of sanitation and hygiene and, and things like that, not just to stop us from getting the coronavirus, but to stop us from getting colds, to stop us from getting, you know, the flu, the, those type of things. Because I have to admit, I, I've kind of gotten you. I never walked around with hand sanitizer using it a dozen times a day. I'm doing that now after I touch stuff. And, and candidly, I, I think maybe I'm going to continue doing that. I'm not at a point where I, I'm not going to go to buffets. I'm not at a point where I, I'm not going to go to a, a salad bar. I guess I, I'm going to kind of count on the restaurant to you know maintain hygienic sort of things and and to wash stuff down. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of count on that. Now maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I, I I don't think so. Now I do kind of acknowledge that I might 
kind of watch the salad bars when I'm there. And if I see like little kids, for example, and their fingers in their nose and then they're reaching and they're grabbing croutons or something. Well, okay, maybe I might rethink it. But at this point in time, I'm not ready to give that up. The issue, though, is whether I'm even going to have that choice, because like I say, more and more restaurants are just making starting to make this decision now that they don't want to take a chance on on getting their guests sick and or expanding this so i i I don't know at least short term short term the all-you-can-eat buffet that might be out the window this is jeff wagner welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj So very glad to have you with us. It was one of the worst deals that former Governor Tommy Thompson ever made. And in my opinion, we have been suffering from it ever since. I'm talking about signing off on the approval to allow the appointment of former State Senator Lynn Edelman to a permanent job on the federal bench. All right. I bring this up now because interesting thing happened earlier this week. Uh, You will remember three and a half years ago. If you've lived around here during that time, there was a night of rioting at at Sherman Park. The rioting resulted in buildings being burned down, people being arrested, etc. The the start of the riots, I think, occurred when there was a, a liquor store that was burned down, Big Jim's Liquor, 2161 North Hopkins Street, One of the people responsible for burning down that building was a 31-year-old guy named Stephen Ruffin. He has pled guilty. He was charged in 2017. He pled guilty um, in November to a count of arson. All right, arson. Arson carries a minimum mandatory term of five years in prison. That's, That's the rules. Judges do not have the discretion. Judge have to sentence you to at least five years in prison. And one of the reasons why you have mandatory minimum penalties is because, well, you you have some judges who, at least in my opinion, don't believe that we should be holding criminals accountable. All right, here's here's the deal. Here's what happened with Ruffin. Um, Surveillance video from the liquor store show Ruffin and two other guys armed with bolt cutters trying to break into the rear door around 1217 in the morning. So they're they're trying to break into the liquor store, presumably to loot it. Um, They can't get in with the bolt cutters and they leave. More than an hour later, Ruffin, wearing the same clothes that he had when he was trying to break in, presumably to loot the liquor store, returns to the rear of Big Jim's with another man. This is all in video. The video shows Ruffin carrying a container of charcoal lighter fluid and the other man spraying it onto the store's air conditioning unit. Ruffin and the other man then light some paper, ignite the lighter fluid. Before they leave, Ruffin places a plastic container on the burning AC unit. All right, so they, they, they're torching the liquor store. Phone records put Ruffin at Big Jim's at those times, and texts from his phone. This is not the smartest criminal in the world. Texts from his phone during the same period read, I'm rioting with them. It's a riot out here. 
And, of course, riots broke out in parts of Sherman Park uh, in connection with that. People set fire to several businesses, including a BP gas station, O'Reilly Auto Parts, and BMO Harris Bank. Okay, so they've got this guy dead to rights in burning this liquor store. He's on video burning the liquor store as part of the riot and presumably trying to loot it earlier on before that. So, And then you've got his texts saying, all right, this is it. Not surprisingly, he ends up pleading guilty. So the penalty is five years in prison, mandatory minimum penalty. I think you can get up to 20 years for this, but you have to serve at least five years. So the guy shows up in front of Judge Edelman earlier this week. We'll talk about Lynn Edelman in just a minute. Uh, Lynn Edelman says, well, well, wait, I, I, what, what, what's going on here? I mean, I, what do you mean I have to send this guy to jail for five prior for five years? He has no prior criminal record. He cares for his seven-year-old son, and you know he he hasn't committed another crime while he's been out on on bond. And Edelman then starts. He said, "Well, looks like this conduct's an, an aberration." Um, so then what happens is he whistles the attorneys into his room, into his chambers. He says, I know this upset the community and caused a lot of problems, you think, um, but do you really need to do it this way? He asks of the prosecutor and calls him into his chambers for five minutes, and then he says, okay, well, you know, we're going to put this off for 60 days so people can work on a different resolution. So in other words, he doesn't like the idea that under the law he'd be forced to send this man to prison for five years for burning down a liquor store. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In my opinion, this is precisely why Congress implemented mandatory minimum penalties because we we set a certain standard and say if you're going to engage in certain conduct now this case it's arson you're going to have to serve a certain amount of time you can get up to 20 years in prison but you're going to have to go to prison for at least five years and candidly i don't have a problem with this at all you go to burn down a building as part of a riot or whatever, or looting or whatever, yeah, I don't think five years is an unreasonable sentence. As a matter of fact, I think whether you're caring for your seven-year-old son or not, I think you can make a strong argument that more than five years would perhaps be appropriate. But in this particular case, we have a federal judge who balks at wanting to follow the law to the point that he essentially says, I, I, I want some sort of different alternative arrangement. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In my opinion, this is why you have mandatory penalties and five years in prison for burning a liquor store down is not an unreasonable minimum sentence. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's my favorite text of the day so far. Jeff, I guarantee you if this guy would have burned down the judge's house instead of a gas station, the judge would have had no problem giving him five years. Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. Yes. All right. If if this was going on out in, I know where Lynn Edelman lives, but if he, if if it was going out in his neighborhood and you had this arson, well, maybe it would have been a different sort of thing. Another texter says, I, I don't understand. What's he trying to do? If the mandatory minimum penalty is five years, how does he get around it? My guess is what he wants the government to do is to let him vacate his guilty plea on the arson charge 
and then charge him with something else so that doesn't necessarily have a mandatory minimum penalty so he can sentence him to something less than that. I think the whole thing is ridiculous. You burn down a building, five years is not an unreasonable sentence. I think most common sense people would believe that, regardless of whether you had a prior record or not, regardless of whether or not you're taking care of your seven-year-old kid, you burned down a building during a riot and confessed essentially to it by sending out texts saying, hey, I'm part of this riot. 855-616-1620. Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Uh, Lynn Edelman has been a disaster for the people of southeastern Wisconsin ever since he was elected. He is the most fuzzy-headed, ultra-liberal that we could have found, and he's a disaster. And this could have easily turned into a a murder scene if the fire had spread. You can't control arson fires. Right, right. I mean, and and look at the name. This isn't like it's an accidental sort of thing. This isn't like, hey, you got a couple guys playing with matches and all of a sudden something goes up. They went there with the intention of burning. They, They went there, I presume, with the intention of breaking in. When that failed, they came back and they lit this thing on fire. And, and and the judge apparently thinks five years is too harsh a sentence. Give me a break. <laughs> right. And 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 uh, one other quick thing. Uh, didn't he? He was. I knew he was a goof when he did something kind of hinky when he was running for office or he was running for some judgeship and he did something with a competitor's literature. Now, I don't remember that. Well, here, here, I mean, here's the background. This is why I started this off. It was the worst decision that Governor Tommy Thompson ever made. Lynn Edelman was a very, very liberal state senator from Waukesha. That, that's his background. He's a criminal defense attorney, and um, he was a criminal defense attorney and in private practice, but he was also a state senator. Back in 1997, Bill Clinton is the president. Herb Cole and Russ Feingold are, are the senators, so they're Democrats. But the Senate, the U.S. Senate, is controlled by Republicans, all right, so here's what, what happened, and it, it's something that I, I was a mistake at the time. A, a lot of us realize this. Tommy Thompson is the governor. The control of the state Senate, the Democrats had it in Wisconsin by a one-vote one margin. So there was this deal that was cut. We'll get Lynn Edelman, and again, it was a Republican Senate, so they could have said whether he got the appointment or not. We'll get Lynn Edelman, the federal judgeship. He'll have to resign his seat in the state Senate. That will give the Republicans an opportunity to pick that up. So in in exchange for this transitory thing of the Republicans get control of the state Senate for, I don't know, as it turned out, less than a year, I believe, what happens is you give a lifetime appointment to, to someone. That was the deal that Tommy Thompson cut and it's a deal that was a bad deal at the time. In my opinion, it continues to be a bad deal today. Now, look, I, I know lawyers who, who like Lynn Edelman. I know lawyers who, who, who think he's soft on crime. Um, I, you know, that's not the point one way or the other. This sentence, this particular case, in my opinion, is absolutely outrageous. The guy burned down a gas station as part of the riots. He was convicted the law says if you are convicted of this crime, you have to go to prison for five years. The man knew that at the time he pled guilty. There are, in my opinion, no extenuating circumstances. And candidly, look, I understand some people have trouble with mandatory minimums when it comes to drug cases and things of the like. But this is arson. 
All right. You burn down a building and I think you have to be held accountable. And I, I think saying as a society that you go out, you torch a building that a five year penalty, regardless of whether or not you have a prior record or not. I mean, if you had a prior record, that would be a justification for a 10 or a 15 or a 20 year sentence. But this is the reason why we have mandatory minimum penalties, because you have judges that, in my opinion, on various occasions, aren't willing to hold people accountable. And this is one of these circumstances playing out. You burn down a building, five years minimum mandatory. What is the problem with that? It's going to be interesting to see, because the judge has already made clear that he doesn't like this. Will the U.S. Attorney's Office back off on this? I hope not. I hope they stick to their guns and say, hey, this guy burned down a building, and I'm not going to allow some federal judge to intimidate me into doing something that is contrary to what the law says and what the facts of the crime justify. It's going to be a gut check for the U.S. Attorney's Office because the U.S. Attorney, I, I hope, just goes in and says, hey, he, this is what he did. He pled guilty to this. This is what the penalty is. Sorry you don't like it, Judge, but... All right, the law is the law. Back with more in just a minute. That's the Marquette Fight Song. That means it's this time. We have a pair of tickets to see McGuire by Dick Enberg, starring uh, stage screen actor Anthony Cravello. It's going to be at the Northern Lights Theater at the Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino April 1st through 4th and the 7th and 8th. Go to PaysBig.com for more information. I have a pair of tickets to the show to give away. It's this one-person show written by Dick Enberg about Al McGuire, who is, of course, is legendary. Let's give it those tickets, a pair of tickets, to caller number 14. Caller 14 at 855-616-1620 wins a pair of tickets to see McGuire by Dick Enberg. I've seen the show once. It's absolutely outstanding. I'm going to make every effort to see the show again when it is at Pottawatomie. I um. I actually, I, 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 I got to know Al McGuire a little bit after, after he left Marquette. He, of course, left Marquette in 1977 after they won the uh, NCAA championship. Boy, that seems like a, a long time ago. And after I got out of college, I, I had I had nine months off. I went through college in three and a half years. I had nine months off between college and start of law school at Marquette. And I worked downtown at um, an insurance company at the time. It was called Time Insurance, and they had their their own building. It was like on Fifth and Wells. Later on, um, it, Time got taken over, and it became you know Assurance or something else. But but back then, Fifth and Wells they had a building, and the Time didn't have all the floors on the building. There was a, an outfit. Called called Medalist, which made like uniforms and things like that. And Al McGuire worked for Medalist. Um, I, I don't know exactly sure what he did, whether he was a consultant or whatever, but but they were in our building. And Al McGuire would, you know, he they, they had a they had a lunchroom and, you know, that, that everybody in the building would use. It was kind of like a cafeteria sort of thing. And Al McGuire would, would set up shop. And, you know, he was very, very approachable. You know, he'd sit at this table and, you know, if he was having lunch there, you could come by and you could, you know, talk to him about just about anything. It's not like we were friends or anything, but every once in a while, it was a very cool thing. Al McGuire was a great guy and certainly a larger-than-life character. And if you don't get a chance to win the tickets, and we'll be giving away today, tomorrow, and Friday, I do encourage you to see 
the show. It's a great show. Uh, McGuire by Dick Enberg at the Northern Lights Theater and Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino. We have our winner for today. Gru is getting the information. Keep listening because I'm going to be giving away more tickets on Thursday and Friday. But um, it, it's quite a thing because Al McGuire, quite, quite a character. No doubt about that at all. Um, boy, with friends like these, here, here, here's an interesting story about how when when President Trump decides he's done with you, he's done with you. Uh, Jeff Sessions, um, who was a senator from Alabama for forever. I, I met him back in the day. He was a U.S. attorney. He was the U.S. attorney for, I think it was the Northern District of Alabama. So, I mean, I, I met him once or twice back in the day. He went on to have a long and successful career as, as a senator from Alabama. Interestingly enough, four years ago, he was one of the first members of the U.S. Senate to endorse Donald Trump. And during the campaign, he was an he was one of the, the front guys. He was one of the guys that was standing by President Trump when President Trump was, well, you had the Access Hollywood tapes that surfaced and stuff. You, you had, I mean, you had Jeff Sessions who was out there, you know, defending him. Well, what happened is after President Trump became President Trump, he tabbed Jeff Sessions to be his attorney general. Now, th- these guys really, really tight, tabbed him to be the attorney general. I think everybody knows what happened after that. Sessions, as the attorney general, decided that because he had been involved intimately in the Trump campaign, he didn't think as the attorney general that he could oversee an investigation into whether or not the Trump campaign had colluded or conspired with Russians to, like, fix the election. So Jeff Sessions did what, in my opinion, was the perfectly ethical thing. He said, I'm going to recruit myself, which led to the appointment of, of Robert Mueller. It also led to the complete and total deterioration of the relationship between President Trump and, and Jeff Sessions, to the point that, you know, Trump was just openly mocking Sessions and ultimately that, that forced forced him out, you know, after after a period of time. Now, I bring this up because Jeff Sessions wants his Senate seat back. And so this is out of Alabama. It's a seat that right now the Democrats hold, but that was kind of a, a fluke. And I think everybody f- figures that the Republicans are going to pick this seat back up. Jeff Sessions ran for his seat. He's being challenged in the Republican primary, which is at the end of this month, by a guy named Tommy Tuberville, who's the former head football coach from Auburn University. But he, he's a novice to politics, etc. Well, in any event, yesterday President Trump came ahead and came out and endorsed Tuberville over over Jeff Sessions, pretty much completely cutting any ties that he had to a guy who was one of his biggest supporters. Just kind of, I mean, I guess you, you can draw whatever conclusion you want, but as least as far as President Trump goes, when it comes to loyalty towards people who helped him get where he where he was, doesn't appear to be a lot of it. And to Jeff Sessions, you might say, gee, with friends like that, who needs enemies? Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Eric Bilstadt, the, the breaking news story, the Golden State Warriors, and they're, you know, they, they play in the general of the San Francisco area. Um, 
San Francisco's health office had issued an order prohibiting events of a thousand or more people from assembling. And the report is that they are now planning to play their home games without fans for the foreseeable future. Right. So the ban will be in place here for a couple of weeks. Warriors do have a five-game trip during that time. So two home games will have to be addressed. They they hope they host the Brooklyn Nets on Thursday mm-hmm. and then they go on a two week trip. Yep. So before they come back for a four game homestand March twenty fifth. So looks like it's one game right now and then see how it plays out. Meanwhile, Washington, the governor there announcing uh, something similar but with no groups larger than two hundred and fifty. Now the Mariners had already been considering playing their home games in Arizona to start the season because of this. Obviously, that's very close to the. The largest number of cases we've seen so far has been in that Washington area, the West Coast area. Right, 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 right. And of course, you have an, the the what is the Ivy League that just they the the NCAA tournament is coming up, of course. And mm-hmm. so this week, you've got a lot of the conferences that are having their tournaments to determine who they they send to the NCAA. The Ivy League announced yesterday that they were canceling their tournament and they were just going to send the the regular season winner that's who was going to end up getting the bid so so no tournament there connecticut has canceled all their high school sports their their winter postseason so no boys basketball no girls basketball those those tournaments are gone that's a big deal well it 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 is you've got um you know south by southwest Mm -hmm. which is the big tech Music conference in Austin that's yep. been canceled. Um, Coachella, the big music festival in California, that's been postponed until the fall. Um, and you know the the beat goes on one after another after another as we're we're canceling this. There's an article in USA Today, an editorial. Um, they recommend, and, and this is the the editorial. Um, or column says that they believe that given the spread of coronavirus around the United States, um, they, they believe that March Madness should be canceled, that they should just cancel the NCAA tournament this year. I have a hard time believing that'll happen. I mean, that would be just the amount. And I know I don't want to say everything's about money, but a lot of things are about money. The idea well, of that tournament not going on, I could see where maybe they clear the the. The arenas where they can't play in front of people. The governor of Ohio, um, he, he put out a statement asking for no events with spectators other than the athletes, parents, and like the referees, people right, essential right. to the game. That is significant since the, the, the NCAA tournament is 68 teams. There's like four teams that play in. Marquette actually might might end up being one of those play-in games right. given how their season's falling apart. Um, that's that's in Dayton next Tuesday and Wednesday. The Mid-American and the Big West conferences have closed their tournaments to spectators as well. And and of course, I, I, I'm the I'm one, one guy around here who follows like soccer. But there's sure. the the Champions League, which is it's a it's a big deal. It's it's all the it's a competition that the teams, the best teams in the different countries in Europe last year advanced to the Champions League, and now they've got the. Um, it's they're they're playing for quarterfinal spots, and like there's a, a game today in Paris, and it's it's closed to the. They're not allowing spectators in. So the WHO, which is now calling this a pandemic, is basically saying, look, you you more action needs to be done, which means 
situations like this where you're going to cancel or play games without people actually being there because they believe that's the only way to stem the tide of what the numbers indicate will continue to grow and to grow. And I, I, Now, I, I, I never thought I would say this, but I was listening to Charles Barkley last night. I had ESPN <laughs> on. Okay, I know. I, I, okay, uh, I, I, right I understand. I never thought that these words would be coming out of my mouth, but, but I was listening to Charles Barkley last night on ESPN, mm-hmm. and he actually made some sense. Because what he they, they asked him, you know, what do you think about this? And he said, what do you think people are going to do? He said, okay, if, if we don't play the game, if we don't allow fans in, what, what about it, – it's not like the people aren't going to go out places. I mean, it, it's not like people aren't going to go to restaurants or shopping malls or, or go to work. He said, I mean, if they're, yeah, they, they might not come to the games, but they're still going to be mm-hmm. out and about in, in the community. So if you've got somebody – unless everybody is just going to self-quarantine and, and hide in their houses, which I don't think is likely to happen. Barclay's point was, well, okay, we, we shut this down, so people, you're going to go to a movie instead. You know, right, okay, right, you, right. You, you got tickets to the Bucks game on Monday night, you're going to go to the movies, and, and you'll be in a room with 200 people instead of, of 2,000. But that, that, was his, that was his point. Yeah, well, I, I mean, what, what's the alternative? Just... Just hope no one sneezes on you. Well, or or use the precautions. But but I and I understand that that everybody's tired of talking about the coronavirus. But but it's it's now at a point where it's not only just starting to affect like the stock market, which oh my god, it's, it's down thirteen hundred and fifty five points. Thirteen again, and, and it's all just the coronavirus fear. This it, it's this panic that's out there. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the cruise lines are, are dealing with cancellations. Airlines are dealing with cancellations. Um, but but now it, it is starting to affect our, our various entertainment choices. And here in Wisconsin, we have. We've got the state high school basketball. Yes. All, all the state basketball. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about the state basketball tournament. I understand there's other state championships, but I, I think probably this time of year we, we focus most on on that. So let's open up the phone lines. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What, should we cancel? Should the WIAA either cancel the events or bar them from spectators? Should the NCAA do that? All right, I I haven't been to a Bucks game yet this year. I got tickets for Monday night and, and maybe Thursday night, two home games. Looking forward to it. Should the NBA decide that? All right, we we just we don't want eighteen thousand people, you know, there in close proximity to each other. Have we reached this point where we now start having to cancel public gatherings? And if they're doing it in California. If they're doing it in New York, if they're recommending it in Ohio, should we recommend this? Should we do it in Wisconsin? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time to cancel or at least bar spectators from showing up at, say, WIAA basketball tournaments? What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, th- th- this this coronavirus concern is now coming home. I look. I understand. I understand cruise ships, 
And, and again, as I've been saying repeatedly, if, if I was scheduled to go on a cruise in the next two weeks, I, I'm, I've got a river cruise coming up six or seven months from now. I'll, I'll deal with that later on. But if, if I was scheduled to go on a cruise right now, my concern wouldn't be necessarily that I got sick on the cruise. I'm not so, I'm not worried about that. My big concern would be you'd get quarantined if somebody else got sick and then you're stuck on a ship for two and a half weeks. That that's my concern with that. So that's why I understand the, the cruise ship type of stuff going on. But seriously, are we now at a point where every large gathering needs to be needs to be canceled because of this? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. My my answer would be no. It, it, now, obviously, if you are, uh, let's say you are elderly and you have a compromised immune system, well, okay, maybe maybe you don't want to be getting on an airplane or or maybe, you know, you, you don't want to be going out into some of these public places. But but seriously, if you're, you know, 30 or 40 or 25 years old, are, are we now at a point where you're not going to interact? And again, as much as I hate to endorse Charles Barkley, I mean, his point is people are going to go somewhere. So if I don't go to the Bucks game on, on Monday night, well, I'm, I'm still going out to dinner. I mean, I, I'm going to go to a movie this weekend. I'm still going to be interacting with people. Now, admittedly, it might be in a smaller sort of setting, but is there really theoretically any difference between going to a movie theater where there's 150 people and going to Pfizer Forum where there's 18,000, but I'm not going to be near 17,800 of them? All right, 855-616-1620. Let's start with David in Oconomowoc. Hi, David. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I, I, I agree with Charles Barkley and yourself that this is contributing to the mass hysteria, the lack of toilet paper on the shelves. Yeah. There is no hand sanitizer because of these kind of recommendations. Um, if you're old, stay home. But if you're young, go and enjoy the Bucks game. Uh, my wife and I are going to Mexico uh, next week, and uh, we're flying out of Chicago, and then we're flying to Miami and then to Cancun. And she was just informed by her employer that when we return, she'll not be allowed to work for two weeks because she's going to Mexico. So she posed the question to them, well, what if I just went to Chicago and Miami? Yeah. Um, they said, well, yeah. the, the same policy would not apply. Interestingly, there's more corona in the United States. Yeah. It's just completely ridiculous. I mean, it's just not making any sense. Right. No, th- it, yeah, that, that, that's an interesting point. So you say, okay. All right, I am going to go to an area in Mexico where there's been no outbreaks. Um, now, admittedly, maybe there'll be other people at the resort who are from other parts of the world where there have been. So, I mean, I get that concern. But it is interesting if you say, but, oh, I'm going to go to San Francisco or I'm going to travel to Los Angeles or I'm going to go to New Orleans or I'm going to go to New York and that policy doesn't apply. I mean, I look, I, I think we've got to be smart about this. But at the same time, we have to be careful to not give in to the hysteria. And and it's not the bluebonic plague. I mean, obviously, and I'm not going to compare it to the flu because it's it's in some respects it's different. But, you know, every time we have the flu season, that that's where, you know, people who are particularly susceptible to the flu or to complications of the flu, they're the ones that, you know, you, you have to take sort of special precautions on. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Louise in Cedarburg. Hi, Louise. Hi, Jeff. 
You know, something that isn't being talked about, and I think it's because of age, uh, most people in their late 70s or early 80s will remember the polio in the late 40s. Yeah, okay, we didn't have a vaccine. And it was very, very scary because um, uh, people were becoming paralyzed and there was, there was no vaccine. And God bless Jonas Salk, but that took a while to get. So the, the difference is, is that people did not travel like they're traveling now. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, but the, the parks were closed, the, the swimming pools were closed. Everybody was quarantined. Everybody was afraid to go to the restaurants. Uh, because they didn't know how this was spreading. And so um, nobody is talking about the infantile paralysis. Of course, today we have the vaccine for that, which is wonderful. And we do have a vaccine for the flu. We don't have it this yet, and we probably won't have a vaccine for this virus for another year or maybe 18 months. So I don't know. Um, I think we need to talk more about other, not the 1918s. Uh, you know, that is way, way in the past. But the, but the anybody who, as I said, in their late 70s and early 80s, and I was a, a very small child and remembering how everybody had to stay home. Period. I mean, you didn't go out for any restaurants or anything because um, you didn't know how it was spreading. Well, and we're say, doing the same thing now. Well, I say to Louisa, thanks for coming. I mean, I, and I appreciate the perspective, but this isn't polio. I, I mean, now again, I, I look the vast majority of people who get this virus. You know, you it's a respiratory thing. You, you get over it in a, in a few days. I mean, just like it, it and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to equate this with the flu, but you know, people, people don't get the flu vaccine. We, we, we only have about 35 or 40% of people who get the flu vaccine. So even if they come up with a vaccine for this particular type of virus, I, I don't know how many people would end up taking it anyways. Now, I, 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 I'm one of these people who believe that you should get vaccinated. I'm one of these people who believe that you should get a flu shot. That this, this isn't polio, though. Most people that get it are going to recover just just fine. I mean, you're going to be un- it's a respiratory virus. Now, again, there's there's going to be exceptions, and I'm not poo pooing the the people who've you know passed away as a result of this. But generally speaking, it's it's folks who had other pre existing conditions. I, I think. As I said in the start of the show, if there's a, a positive thing that comes out of this, it, it's maybe we're now all more mindful of sanitation and things like that. I, I'm just saying I, I, this idea that we're now going to self-impose that this quarantine and, and not go out, not interact with people. I, I just don't know how practical this is, and I don't know how necessary it is i mean obviously you want to practice good hygiene you want to do everything you can to to stop the spread of disease but are we really at this point where we say okay for the next two weeks or four weeks or or two months you're you're not going to go out of your house no movie theaters no no interacting with people don't don't go to the health clubs don't don't go to gyms don't go anywhere where you might run into people i just have we reached that point? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back with more in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. David and Mequon. David, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Thank you for taking the call. Sure. I appreciate it. Um I think yeah, this is this is getting to be a point of where this is like the Armageddon of everything, 
between the climate and the coronavirus, it, they're making it sound like that this is it for a good chunk of the population. And as far as affecting everyday life, I mean, when have we, I guess my question to you, Jeff, would be this. We've had the flu for as long as man has been around. Cold, obviously, we haven't solved as far as getting rid of that. So have we ever been successful at getting rid of it? No. And to your point earlier, everything does run its course. This will do the same thing, but we're taking a very different uh, tactic as far as, like, making blowing this up to where it's mass hysteria, where it is going to affect and put the fear of God in people. And that's my big thing, uh, because when you go to the store now, there's some things where you can't even uh, yeah. get the items in the store because people are panic-stricken. Right. It's almost like when we get the report that there's going to be like eight inches of snow and people rush out and they buy, you know, all the sundries that are there. And I, and, and I guess, I, I mean, I, I would never encourage people to be irresponsible, but at the same time, uh, you, you look at all this stuff, and I, I just, see, I'm with you. I just wonder if this is if this is a panic sort of situation that, like we we've seen before. I, I keep in some respects likening this to you know Y2K, where you know we were we were told for months and months that the, it's it's going to be the end of the world. Planes are going to fall out of the sky. The banking system is going to fall <clears throat> apart. You got to stock up with everything, and then it came and passed. Well, and one more thing, Jeff. I mean, if you remember, just a few months ago. We were supposed to be in World War III with Iran, and then a few days later, nothing happened. It all kind of just, you know, died out. And the whole thing is with the information that's out there, to put it out there, and we don't have all the information with the coronavirus because, um, you know, we know it's a respiratory issue. But other than that, um, you know, it's probably, and I said this to your call screener, the cat's out of the bag, so to speak. So it's probably much more prevalent. Yeah. And one other thing is that the people you don't you don't hear about all the thousands of people that have recovered in yeah. China. And even though it's ticking down in China, um, yeah. they've been very effective for whatever they're doing. So right, no, I, know, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, so. thanks. I mean, again, I'm not. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not encouraging people to be irresponsible. But at the same time, this it's not the bubonic plague. I mean, it's not like everybody that gets it is, is going to die. Now, do, do you want to get it? Of course not. Do you want your kids to get it? Of course not. Do you want your parents or grandparents to get it? Of course not. But at the same time, how, how much containment can we have? And I guess I look at this and say, all right, if, if we're not going to allow people to go into like gymnasiums to watch you know, high school basketball games. Well, should we not allow people to go to movie theaters? Should we not allow people to go to shopping malls? Should we not allow people to play in Wednesday night golf leagues at their simulator place? I mean, where where do you end up drawing the line? And, and for how long do we end up doing this? Let's talk to Cindy and Racine. Cindy, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Cindy. <laughs> I'm one of these people with a pre-existing condition. So I have to take extra precautions. But part of the problem is I had to retire from work last year because of this issue. Because even a year ago, people with flu, their cough and sneeze and whatnot. I'm in an open office with 400 people. I get a pneumonia. Right. Go home, be in the hospital, get well, go back to work. Same thing would happen. Literally, for three months, I was in and out of the hospital because people don't take 
standard precautions. Right, right, which is so, exactly why people people need to be smart about this stuff. But I mean, in, in your case, Cindy, again, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. This was. A, this is something you had to deal with all the time. Every flu season, I guess your concern was, "Gosh, I, I don't want somebody coming to work sick because if I get the flu, it's going to put me in the hospital or maybe even worse." Correct. And so now with the coronavirus, I take extra. Extra precautions. Right. But my doctors, and I have some doctors that have been on the TV news, WTMJ4 and everything else because of their specialties, even they tell me, what are you going to do, sit home all the time? Hell no. Right. I can't. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, right. Thank, you you, you want to go at thanks to call Cindy, and it, you you want to go live your your life. And, and and again, I I understand that you know when there's especially if I had a compromised immune system, I, I mean, I, obviously that might change. Some, I might make some lifestyle type of changes. But again, for most people, and I'm I'm not. I'm not downplaying this. You, you don't want to have it. You don't want it to spread. But for most people, if, if you get the virus, you're going to be sick for a couple of days and you're going to get better. That, that's what's going to happen for most people. Uh, if you're talking about target populations that are particularly at risk, like, for example, the, the you know, senior living complexes and stuff, like this was running rampant in Washington State, okay, you know, that that's where you want to pay particular attention. And in those sort of situations, may, maybe you want to have a, a lockdown type of thing. But does that apply to all of us? Let's talk to Joe and Mequon. Joe, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. Thanks Hi, for taking the call. Sure. Let me uh, first agree with your first comment is I have to travel a lot next week, for example. Uh, and my biggest fear, like yours, is not getting the coronavirus. It's being quarantined. Right. That just <laughs> yeah. that scares the Jesus out of me. But the point I'd like to make is that there's another dynamic out there that is, uh, I think, a real driver to what's going on. It's one thing for you or for me to decide whether we're going to go out for dinner or go to a movie. But if you're an organization, NCAA, uh, maybe you're a, a sanctioned uh, an industry organization, something of that nature, you face a huge reputational risk if you continue with, for example, a large conference. And if mm-hmm. anything, anything at all goes wrong, one attendee shows up, you know, whether others get it or end up getting quarantined. And I think that that's the real driver now, or certainly one of the drivers behind these organizations canceling uh, these events. Uh, we did the same thing at the program that I'm not going to do next week to Palm Springs for an in-person board meeting. It's now going to be done by telephone. Right. And uh, one of the primary reasons that we came to the conclusion that we should do it by telephone is reputation risk. Right. And, of course, in the situation you're talking about, you can do it by telephone. You know, it, it's nice to be in person, but you can do it by telephone. So what would you – okay, yes. so you're you're in charge of the WIAA. What, what do you do? Do you cancel the basketball tournament? <laughs> I'm not my, – my point, Jeff, is I'm not here to make a judgment okay. as to whether you should or whether you shouldn't. Right. I'm just saying that the reputational yeah. risk – is playing a huge role uh, in these decisions. Right. And uh, would I do that? Would I cross? Would I not do it? And cross my fingers? Probably. 
Yeah. But I'm going to have to cross more than one finger if I'm going to make that decision. <laughs> fair, fair enough, Joe. Thank, thanks for the call. This, you see, and I do, I, I mean, in, and especially, and Joe makes a great point, because there's a lot of organizations, there's trade shows. There's a big trade show that was supposed, it, it was scheduled for McCormick Place in Chicago. It was either this week or it's next week. I forget which one. Um, but but they, they canceled it, 60,000 people, and they canceled it because people coming from all over the world, and they, they were concerned about that. And I don't know whether they canceled it or postponed it i guess i i'm not going to criticize businesses that that end up doing that especially if you're talking about people coming in from all over the world but i i guess i i think particularly and unless we i go back to my basic premise that unless unless we're going to just simply say we're not going to go out anywhere and, and we're not going to go to work and we're not going to interact with people and we're not going to go to grocery stores and we're not going to go to movie theaters and we're not going to go anywhere else. We, we are to the point of Charles Barkley. We are traveling around and, and we are doing things and we are coming into contact with people. Now, I guess, you know, numerically, if I'm at Miller Park two weeks from tomorrow and there's, I don't know, however many people there are, 44,000 or 45,000 people, even though I'm only going to interact with a relatively small number of them, I mean, statistically, is, is there a chance that maybe somebody has that? Yeah, but I, I guess I, I think it's one of those things where you just tell people about it and then you let people make the decisions. That's at least how I would handle it. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Lots and lots of texts. Let me just share a couple. Um, we all need to take a few deep breaths and relax. Panic is doing more harm than the virus ever could. Um, Jeff, I think there's a huge overreaction to everything going on and that nothing should be canceled. Well, I, I let me give you an example of something that, that maybe it made sense. There's a, in Oconomowoc. There's a, a big model train exposition that's uh, a big model train show that was scheduled either for next week or the weekend after that. It's been canceled. It was going to be in a senior living center. Okay, so, I mean, I, I guess I understand that. You've got people who are a particularly vulnerable population, and I think the idea is maybe, okay, we, we don't want all sorts of people from the outside coming into this area where you've got are arguably, you know, people who are, are, are especially vulnerable. I get it. I think, you know, that's the type of thing that, that, that makes sense. So maybe there's occasions where they should do this. Jeff, they should not cancel these events. Um, I get honor flight with older people. I get the cruises, but I think everything else is ridiculous. Jeff, we start dance competition season this weekend in Green Bay. I'm just waiting for the cancellation email, but I'm hoping it doesn't come. Dance competition is huge in this state. Jeff, I agree with you and your Charles Barkley reference. Yeah, again, you don't hear that too often on the, uh, don't hear that too often on the radio, but I think, you know, I think Barkley, Barkley did have a a point. Um, Jeff, unfortunately, the outbreak happens after the spread, so we're in a catch-22. We can go out, but we need to be aware that we could be the cause of a spread. So be aware of the risk and minimize it. Um, my daughter suggested um, that I not hold non-essential meetings at the parish I work at, consider limiting visits to the homeless, etc., but still attend Mass with common-sense hygiene. Um, school stays in session, common-sense hygiene. The slower the breakout, the easier to contain. Absolutely. 
I, and, and I agree with all that, and that's why I, I walk around with my little bottle of hand sanitizer, and I, I'm getting over a, a, I'm getting over a virus, not a coronavirus, but I'm getting over a little chest cold myself, and so I'm feeling a lot better, but when I cough, I make a point of coughing into my elbow, and thankfully I'm not sneezing or anything, but I, I, I'm trying to be very mindful of that. I'm not shaking hands with people. I'm just kind of waving at folks. You want to be smart about that. And then, then there's like the silly season, there, the, the the stupid stuff. I, we get so stuck on stupid on, on some of these issues. And here's the, the latest one. And, and the politics of this, I admit, drive me crazy. I get emails and texts from people, and you know who you are, who are, are just, well, this is this it's all Donald Trump's fault and you've got the this is the stock market's tanking because of this and this is going to bring him under and we're so happy about that well i i mean really you you hate Donald Trump so much that you want to see you know people lose lots of money in their 401k accounts really that's what you really want um you know or you want to have all this stuff canceled and you want to have people lose their jobs because of, of the effect of industry that's you hate trump that much so you've got stuff like that and, and then you've got this story now grew here's a test for you producing the show today and always where did where were the first outbreaks of the coronavirus reported uh, it was in China. It was in China. Look at the big brain on Gru. I- exactly. So where and and you know we don't know because China is is a closed country. You know we don't know. You know how many people really had coronavirus, but but we know that that they think it started in a particular province or state in China, and they didn't do a very good job of controlling it, and and it spread, okay? So it it started in in China. That is the reality. So, okay, here's what happens. Apparently, um, yesterday, you have the House Minority Leader. He's a Republican, Kevin McCarthy, and, you know, he's, he's talking about, he's sharing the Center for Disease Control's page about the coronavirus, and he refers to it as the Chinese coronavirus. Okay, well, it originated in China. I mean, it's not officially called the Chinese coronavirus, but it originated in China. And I think everybody knows what the guy's talking about. I mean, that, I mean, when the, it originated in China. Now, is, is it unique to China? No, because it's spread. But all right, it started in China. So that's what he says. Well, immediately you have these Democrats um, who are part of what they call the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus. They get upset, calling the statement hurtful, saying it's bigoted. Um, um, Asian Americans are getting attacked because of this exact type of language. Pelosi jumps in, calls the statement bigoted, etc., etc. Uh, lawmakers denounce this as xenophobic. Oh, okay, and and of course th- now you're off to the races and the politics of of this, and it's like, okay, it originated in China. Now, is this the most artful way to describe it? No, but is this this idea that oh, this this is now why people are declaring war on Asian Americans? Oh, give me a break. I mean, it it's just. We, we've got to stop the silly season, and I would say that with Republicans, and I would say it with Democrats, and recognize that we've got a health crisis here, and we got to figure out a way to get past this so we can get back to our normal way of life. This is Jeff Wagner. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Hey, if you haven't figured this out, I am intentionally trying to intersperse some later... Don't go anywhere for a second, Melissa. Please. For some later conversations with all the coronavirus stuff and what we're going to be talking about a little bit, which is the stock market in the tank again, big time. But every once in a while, there's this stuff that comes along. It's the little stuff that still kind of intrigues me. Our executive producer, Nick, does the afternoon show. You're the producer of your show. Yes. You're on, right? Mm-hmm. He, he sends out this tweet. And, and I it's a tweet. Anybody ever lose their wedding ring underneath the middle console of their vehicle? Need help. Don't want to spend $100 at the dealer. Anybody ever lose their wedding ring underneath the middle console of their vehicle? Need help. Don't want to spend $100 at the the dealer. Now, you know what the first question that comes to mind when I see that tweet, Melissa? Why was he taking it off? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, what, 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 That's a good what, question. I mean, what, what, what are what you were doing? What you doing? Right. Is it, you, you got some other babe <laughs> that you're going to be jumping in the back seat with? I mean, well, I, there I, are questions. Uh, well, it, yes. it, 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 I mean, I, and so, okay. And so maybe this makes me un, un, unusual about this, but I... I never take my wedding okay, ring off. Okay, maybe he was putting lotion on his hands. Maybe his hands are really dry and he didn't want to get it so all. So you take your wet. I I have well, never. All I, right, I'm here, not sure. I, I have you. You found it. Okay, why were you taking your wedding ring off? I play with it sometimes. Probably shouldn't. <laughs> Lesson number one so today. You, I learned. You take that. it off and play with it. I, yeah. I, oh. You know, and it you slipped off your... and it fell between the the <laughs> chair and the console, and that was that. <laughs> okay. I just I, I see uh, again. Maybe this. I never, never, ever take my wedding ring off to the point that I mean, everybody knows my story. My first wife passed away, um, and we had been married going on 30 years together for a lot longer than that. My wedding ring, I couldn't get it off. I mean, it, it, my, my finger had, mm-hmm. it had been on my hand. You had one for, of those in- grooves on your finger because it, it right, had it, been it, on it, there it, for it, so my, long. My finger had grown around it, and so I actually had to have it cut off. Oh, wow. I mean, it, it was, it was. I mean, I tried the lotion, I tried, it wasn't coming off. The, my current wedding ring, I mean, this is, you know, Fran and I have been married for two and a half years. This has never been off my hand. So you're you're taking your wedding it's ring so off. It's so new to me. It's like a novelty, no. so I'm like, I'm just getting used to it, okay. so I'm constantly playing with it. I don't even know I'm doing it So sometimes. lesson learned. You probably won't do that Oh, again. absolutely. I'm, I'm still playing with it as i'm sitting here right now <laughs> but thanks to our macgyver of an engineer scott pfeiffer he uh got a nice oh, that's nice a curtain rod or where not a curtain rod but a, a hook <laughs> a metal hook and we got in there and we pulled the console up and he's a man of many talents the, let me tell you he pulled the console <laughs> up to, to get the yeah that that's kind of what honey i lost my wedding ring where is it oh it's in the car somewhere <laughs> oh believe me we met for lunch she was none too pleased no i can it. under i can i can understand now see i i understand women take their wedding rings on and off because you, if you got like a diamond or something like that I, I i understand that that's happens but for for guys huh do you, you take it off at night no i wear it all the time you wear no but obviously not you just fiddle you fiddle with it you're maybe like a nerd like have a nervous I, I, obviously thing. not i don't know what it is honestly it's just it's so new it's less than three months old uh-huh. and it's a novelty for me now and i just i catch myself playing with it when i don't even know i'm doing it and apparently i was doing it while i was driving my car today oh you were doing you were, oh i thought you were parked no no you're driving your car no and you? then when i when i saw it down there when i parked and i went to go fish it out and it somehow got underneath the console and then fell 
into the depths of whatever is down there. So and we, I heard it clinking around. We know how Nick drives. Hands free. He's messing with his ring. <laughs> oh, no. all knees all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> no, all knees. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we, we've all learned something today. First of all, that newly married guys still fidget with their wedding rings. Take it from an older, wiser situation. Just leave it on. You know, just the other... There's all sorts of other nervous habits you can have that don't risk losing the wedding ring. I'll take that under advisement. I'll get a fidget spinner or something right, like right. that. There you go. That's a good idea. That, that's exactly right. Because if you lose your fidget spinner, your wife's not going to be hacked off. You Okay, well, that, that's, that's a very expensive it. fidget spinner, your, your wedding ring. Right. That, that, I appreciate all, the advice, guys. Well, I'm going well, to take it under advisement. Well, like, like well, okay. <laughs> well, now you're going to have no excuse if you do lose your wedding ring at some point in time. Like, like I'm saying, I think I've just never taken a wedding ring off. It's mm-hmm. just a part of it. But we now understand. You were just... Playing around. Okay, that's our lighter little deviation for the moment, you know, and you can sit there and maybe... I don't know. Maybe guys do that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm the unusual one who just never takes my wedding ring off, but it's just, I never take my wedding ring off. All right. Let us go back to the drama that is going on. Um, the stock market today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, down... 1,652 points. That is a 6.6% drop just today. Now, yesterday it was up like 1,100 points, but that was after a big drop on Monday. We, we know that it's been a roller coaster, but it's been down big over the course of the last uh, really two weeks or so. Dramatic drops. The NASDAQ down that's down 479 points that's a 5.7 percent drop billions and billions of dollars of of money has been lost over the course of the last couple weeks if the dow does not recover about 300 points between now and three o'clock it will officially be a a bear market uh there's all sorts of you know you got bull markets which show the market's doing better Bear markets show that the market is in decline. The typical definition for a bear market is a 20% drop from a market high. So if the market drops 20%, you are in a bear market. And the way it stands right now, if the Dow were to close where it is now, we would be officially in a bear market, 20% drop from the high, which really wasn't that long ago. It has been a sudden plunge that undoubtedly, if you're one of the guys like me that go home at night and you kind of push that button and you check to see where your finances are, you have you have lost a bunch of money. There's just no way to cut it. Now, if you have more in the stock market, you've, you've lost more, but, but still... Um, the the gains, all the stock market gains, all the money that people made on paper um, over the course of the last couple of years have now disappeared, which isn't to say that they're not going to come back or anything like that. But it has been brutal. And with these reports about the coronavirus and the concerns about the economy, you, you don't know where the bottom is. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, here is my question to you. Given what has happened with wealth, accumulated wealth, people's 401ks, what's going on in the stock market, how concerned are you about what is happening? Is it a situation where, okay, if if you look at, go back three or four years ago, you still, if you were fully invested in the stock market, you still made a bunch of money. And, And even though you have a bunch less money than you would have had three weeks ago, you're still doing okay. The flip side is 
oh my God, it's down 20% over the last couple weeks. I am freaking out and I need to find safety. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you alarmed or will this pass? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this. But I, I mean, for those of you who are looking at your portfolios and maybe, maybe it's a different reaction if you're 30 versus if you're 60 or versus if you're 70. But how concerned are you about what has happened over the last couple weeks? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So how concerned are you? Here's a text, Jeff. I'm very concerned and scared. My husband and I are 61. We don't have that much time to recover the lost money. Jeff, I think this is a buying opportunity. Jeff, I love the bear market. I'm 33, and I'm going to buy about 50%. It's a great time to buy in and sit long term. Um, Yeah, Jeff, I'm only 32. I've been putting all my money into student loan debt. I'm hoping this plays to my favor. I have a year left if I continue to put as much as I can towards the debt. Hoping timing works out great and then the market recovers. I'm investing heavily now in my 401k. Jeff, I'm not concerned. Um, It's way above what it was four years ago, Um, et cetera, et cetera. A small part of me thinks it's um, it's the liberal media that keeps pushing the fear of coronavirus to artificially tank the market. It's a lot easier to beat an incumbent if the economy is not doing well. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Eric and Mequon. Hi, Eric. Oh, that was a shocking statement, that last one. I'm a doctor, so that scares the hell out of me, by the way. Um, with, uh, with this market, I went through 98, the tech bubble, um, the recession uh, of 2008, I would imagine. 2008, yeah, this is, it goes down, it goes up, it'll be fine. It, it'll come back. Might be a year, might be two years, might be whatever. And I really feel that, that the coronavirus was just the catalyst or the spark, uh, to lower the, the market. It, it, it was way oversold. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess I, I, I try to look at this at, and I, I was trying to explain this to somebody and they said, well, you know, are you losing a bunch of money? And I say, yeah, I'm losing a bunch of money. But at the same time, if I go back four years ago and I look at, you know, how, what, you know, where it was now, where it was four years ago and where it's going to be even after today, I've made a bunch of money in the stock market. So, I mean, it's still, it's kind of like going to Vegas and you're playing, you know, you're playing on profits. And I agree with you. I mean, it's going to come back. Plus, what's the alternative, Eric? You're going to get out, you're going to sell all your stocks and, I don't know, get gold bars and stick them under your bed? That doesn't make any sense to me. Living in igloo in Alaska, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, no. Th- again, I, I think you know there there are market corrections, and I admit, I, I guess I, I look at some of the stuff that goes on, and I, I am not look, I, I'm I'm not I'm not Dave Spano. Don't play Dave Spano on the radio. But I'm a guy who you know who's invested money all 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 his life, and you know I'm I'm closer to retirement than I was 20 years ago, and all. But I mean, I I. I've seen, I believe, I believe in the economy. I believe long-term, you know, it's a growth sort of situation. And so you, you ride these type of, of things out. I also think that there's there, there's always a degree of panic. And, and now it's the coronavirus. I remember like 
a year or two ago. We went through a couple of days. It was with Brexit, where the U.K. votes to pull out of the European Union, and there's just a plunge. It seems like the market dropped not as badly and not as quickly as it has. But, you know, there, there's a plunge. It, it drops a couple thousand points, as I recall. And then, you know, two weeks later, it's back. Now, am I saying that it's going to go up 5,000 points over the course of the next two weeks? No, I, I don't know. I, I think it probably will at some point in time, but I don't have a crystal ball to tell you when. But, but yes, is it frustrating? Do I cringe? Should I resist that urge when I go home to kind of hit that button and see what your portfolio looks like? Yeah, I should, but I, but I can't. I mean, it's just I, I'm not going to be able to do it. But at the same time, it's just kind of how you process the information. Jeff, I'm a private equities trader, and I'm not concerned at all. This is a fear-based reaction and not a systematic problem like we had in 2008 when homes and shelter and jobs were being taken away. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point as as well. Um, is you know back in 2008 when there was concerns about uh, you know a huge credit crisis and are these banks going to fail and things like that. This is okay. We're, we're concerned that the economy might slow down because. You, you might have at least temporarily some sort of consumer demand um, hurt. And look, if I were an airline company right now, short term, is it going to look ugly? Yeah, it's probably going to look ugly. If I was a cruise line company, short term, is it going to look ugly? Yet, Yes, it is. But big picture, I, I mean, it, it, to me, it's a big picture question is, do you believe in the U.S. economy? Do you believe in the global economy? And if you do, then you just kind of be smart. You figure out your asset allocation and, and you ride it. So that's I'm not trying to be Pollyanna about this because trust me, when I hit my refresh number and I see that 36 minutes before the close, the Dow Jones Industrial is down 1680 oh 1674 points. That does that cause a little bit of freaking out? Yes, it does. Does it mean that you know we all need to? As the doctor was saying, you know, go live in an igloo in Alaska? The answer is no. 